Testing one, two. I'm trusting that all the, the children of children's ministry, we, they're being led out now. They were part of the worship this morning. Uh, there were one or two escapees, but that's okay. That's part of life, isn't it? All right, this morning, let us, if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to take out your Bibles. We're going to James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the rain. And Father, even the scripture there says the, the early rain and the latter rain. And so, Father God, it's autumn and, and the rain is upon us. We thank you for the moisture that brings life to the world in which we live. And so, Father, even as we... Explore your word this morning. We pray for your spirit to rain down on us, that you would give each one of us wisdom that we need today to live for today. We pray and ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I've got October the 10th. Obviously, it's the 15th today, but that's when I started doing the PowerPoint. It just shows you where I was thinking. Anyway. The idea of celebrating harvest time, isn't it? Uh, meeting so many people who are excited about being outdoors at the moment. The great outdoors experience. I felt quite lonely here last week. There's so many guys missing. But anyway, and so it's that time of year. It's that season where we're looking for our harvest. We go hunting for that harvest. And considering what is happening in Israel right now, and you're seeing all these things happen, what does the Bible tell us? There'll be signs, there'll be these birth pangs, things will be happening in the world, rumors of wars, and, and we'll be saying, oh Lord, when will you be coming back? The book of James is estimated to be written about 50 AD. It's considered perhaps one of the first books of the New Testament ever written. So in 50 AD, and if you think about it, we're 2023, 20, in 27 years' time, it'll be exactly 2,000 years since this book has been written. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you think 
that this talk about Jesus coming back, about God coming back at any time, has been a theme on the lips of God's people for 2,000 years. So let us explore the word a little bit further this morning. Oh, well, am I pushing down? Oh, maybe I've got to switch it on. That would be helpful. Just this week, I found out a nice little story about the peeing tree. Did you know that Canada in BC has a peeing tree? You guys are a fascinating bunch. Right? In 1971, Don and his wife Louise acquired this property in, in Roswood near Kellam Lake. And the duo found that they had a creek on one side of the road and they decided to pipe this, this water from this creek into this tree. They piped it up, put it in there, and they thought this would be a great way for people who were passing by, loggers and stuff, to get access to fresh water on the road. And this is what it looks like 52 years later. It's interesting how what 52 years can do on a person's dream. So what does James say? He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Right? 2,000 years ago, James is writing this to the church. And what is he telling all of us to do? Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits the precious fruit. The last weeks I was speaking about John Stott, uh, speaking to Ephesians 5 about the marriage between a husband and wife and how that links to the, the, the mystery, the divine mystery. How Jesus in, is in the process of sanctification of his bride. This is a process, and it will culminate when Jesus comes back, takes his bride to the wedding feast of the Lamb, and then we will be truly sanctified because we will be in all the fullness of Christ's blessings and sanctification. But until there's such time, we're in this process. I don't want you to think, uh, sometimes when people think about me speaking about sanctification, I'm not speaking about sanctification as in the sense that you're going to lose your salvation. When God, when you make a marriage covenant with God, it is unbreakable. Only man tends to get divorced. God himself, it is impossible. God doesn't walk away from a covenant ever. So John Stott is speaking to the sanctification process. And in James, I see something similar there. and says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit. God is the husbandman, the Bible tells us. He prunes the tree and he grafts in new roots. He's looking for what, family? He's looking for fruit. God desires to see fruit in your life and in my life. And God comes into Martin's life every day and God prunes me. And God takes off the things in my life that shouldn't be there. Just driving here this morning, 
thinking about the leaves withering and falling down because we know winter is coming and so the forest, everything is bunkering down for winter. But we know in spring something is going to happen. The trees are going to come back to life preparing for the fruit of that season. The vintage of 2024. You and I, if we're lucky and fortunate to be alive, we'll be part of next year's vintage. Did you not know that? We will bear fruit. And when Jesus comes to the fig tree looking for fruit and there's none, he curses it. Because fruit is important in its season. And God wants to see fruit in your life. But he's saying be patient because God is a farmer. And that means God is in the seasons. He's planting seeds in your life that he hopes will bear fruit. And he wants you and I to learn patience. Because as we learn to be patient, so the fruit of our life becomes more precious, more sweet. It's going, uh, in South Africa, we, when we ran the Youth for Christ training center, we had grapevines and we had a variety of fruit trees on our training center. But often we would never get to taste the fruit because somebody would come along and pick the fruit before it was ready to be eaten. And often you'd ask people why they're picking a fruit. Because I said, if we wait until the fruit is ready, we will never get a chance to have any. So they pick it early. Go figure, right? And the same as even the monkeys. We have these little blue vervet monkeys and they would go everything Pick everything, take one bite, not like it, and throw it down. That would drive me nuts. <laughs> if you left your doors open for where your, um, your uh, dining room was, and you had fruit baskets, they would come in and they would take everything. They would take all the fruit. They would even take your tea bags. There's a story about them. Once they stole all the tea bags, and we're busy shouting at them, and they start throwing back tea bags, and big bags of tea bags, just throwing them back at us one by one. They are a real nuisance. But what is James saying? He's saying that God is the farmer. And God knows the seasons to the T. He knows every season there's ever going to be in your life. And he says, be patient and establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do you know, family, that your heart is the fertile soil? What you plant in your heart is very important. I was thinking this morning, driving here, meditating on this, that sometimes when some, some people have slighted me and I've been disappointed by them and I've allowed that seed to take part of my heart, it caused great distress and discomfort in my life. A sadness comes upon me. And when the Holy Spirit says, Martin, you've allowed a seed to grow up in your heart. And do you enjoy the feeling? And I'd say, no, Lord, I don't enjoy this feeling at all. He says, well, then it needs some pruning. It needs some weeding. Forgive. Why? So that you may be forgiven. As you take these weeds out of your heart, say, Lord, I give this to you. You know, there's no sin anybody has ever committed towards me that's not worthy of forgiveness. So, and I say, you cannot harm me. Allow people 
to let you down. Because they will. And when you've given people permission to let you down, it won't matter so much to you. You will be walking in grace. And when you walk in grace, family, you plant seeds of grace. And our Heavenly Father loves grace. Because he's a God of grace. So grace is a fruit that you and I should be carrying in our lives all the time. Because people are people are people. You've got children, right? How much grace do you need to give your children? And if you need to give your children grace, how, how about God's children? God's humanity. God is saying, James is saying here, be patient and establish your hearts. What about being late? 2,000 years ago, James is speaking on the subject. 1,975 years later, God, Martin is speaking today on God being late. Is God late? No. No. Absolutely not. But we human beings, how many of you have got one or two people in your life who are often late many a time? Pointing no fingers at anybody, right? But we know what this is like. I read this uh, cartoon this week, uh, this cartoon this weekend from 1951. It says there, yes, Elvin, Emmy Lou is late coming home from the dance. And no, you can't wait up with us to see who she's with. 1951. So we know being late is something that's sat with all of us for a while. How do you enjoy it when people are late? Anybody? It can drive me dilly. Especially when I've got a family I'm trying to hurt. Come family. Because you know the pastor kind of should be at church amongst the first people to arrive at least. <laughs> and it's like, what's it? Like herding cats, right? Come on people. And you know what? And, and so we agreed that eventually we came to an understanding that I would just leave when I'm ready and get to church <laughs> so that my peace would be intact. It's a lot easier preaching from a place of peace than a place of frustration and like your, your ears are sort of melted from all the f steam coming off them. So what James is saying, Martin, I want you to learn to live with the rhythm of the season. Well, that didn't come out so nicely. Learn to live with the rhythm of the season. And I know I'm speaking to the converted because I know a lot of you have been sitting out in that bush this week. And I know it's been quite damp. And I would say to myself, I wonder what these guys are doing sitting out there in this rain, whether it's really all that fun. But I'm glad I'm indoors with a nice cup of tea, personally. I've even managed to meet a, a couple at a BCK, a group of hunters. They obviously couldn't uh, find any... Uh, lunch out in the, in the forest, so they were busy having a nice breakfast at BC Cafe. We won't mention any names. But anyway, we learn, need to learn to live in the rhythm of our season. You know, summer camp is over. Now we're into the retreat season, and we've had retreats at Joy every single week, and we're grateful because people are coming away to say, I want to meet with Jesus. And even our ladies, we've got our ladies' retreat happening on the 21st. And if you haven't booked, please book. But it's something to look forward to because it's a moment that a woman can come away and sit at the feet of Jesus as, the, as Christ's disciples. 
It's part of the rhythm of this season. When, when we understand as God, as the farmer, we understand something, that God will reap what he sows. God will reap more than he sows. And, we all, and God will reap in a different season than when he sows. And if that's true of God, this is true of us too. We will always reap what we sow. If you want to sow discord in your home, you'll reap discord in your home. If you want to sow love in your home, you will reap love. You will always reap one seed family. Whether it be a tree, what that one seed, when the Bible story of the mustard seed. You've all seen a mustard seed, it's tiny. But once it's grown into a full-on tree, bush, it grants many seeds. And you will always reap more than you sow. If you had a garden this year, you will know what I mean. And we will always reap in a different season than we sow. Whatever you plant, right? What, what is the story in sowing here in Canada? You know, everybody in April are starting to plant the seeds indoors so that the seeds will begin to sprout. So you'll be planting the sprouts because you'll know if you don't do it, you're going to be late. And so you've got to plant and sow in season because you know in a couple of months' time, as the season shifts from spring to summer to the end of summer going into autumn, Seasons are very important. And so seasons are even important in your own life. Because you see, we need to understand that God is working to a time scale. Just as you and I work to a time scale. That's why our children go to school in the morning from a certain time. And you fetch them at a certain time. Timing is important. If you've ever worked in a kitchen, you'll know that a cake goes into an oven at a certain time. Take it too, out too early and the cake will be raw. Take it out too late, it'll be dry and burns. Timing is everything. But time isn't what your watch says. Timing is the seasons. And you and I need to get into the rhythm of God's kingdom. Lord, what would you have me do today? What is my ministry gonna look like in five years time? What is Graphite Chapel going to be looking like in five years' time? In five years' time, we're all going to be five years older. What's that going to say about all the young people running around? You've gone from teenagers to 20-somethings. Seasons are changing, and it's not going to stop. So this is the question. Is Jesus late? I've got a book that I, that I, that sort of this the summary of the book that I read. And if you're into this sort of thing, you can ask me to come read this book. It's very good. But in this book, the, the, the author says something, and this is so true. It says, the kingdom of God will come. When you say the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. But the kingdom of God has come. For whom has the kingdom come? For all of you that are sitting here this morning that you would say, Martin, I've received Jesus into my heart. I've made a marriage covenant to serve God and Christ all the days of my life. For you, the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is coming immediately. For those of you who put their faith in God now, for the first time, and you're saying, Lord, I want to make a covenant with you. 
I will tell you that the kingdom of God is coming immediately into your life. The kingdom of God will be delayed. Yes, because we know in Revelations, when all is said and done, God is going to bring the new Jerusalem from heaven, adorned like a bride for a bridegroom. More marriage language. And herein lies the mystery of the kingdom. I'm not going to unpack all that all this morning, but it's very interesting. Jesus is not late. God is not late. Always on time. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You see, God is always standing at the door. No matter your circumstances, God is always at the door. Open the door and say, Lord, come in. Give me wisdom in this moment. When I speak in my own wisdom, I let the side down. And so I've got to learn to speak with the judge in the room. It would change my vocabulary quite substantially. Bruce Fordyth, you probably won't know him here in Canada, but he's a nine times ultramarathon winner in South Africa. In this picture, he's holding up the cutoff gun for the Comrades Marathon. In every big marathon, there's a finishing time. And then he says here, of this moment, he says, the noise at the finish is deafening at times. As someone who has to fire a cutoff gun, I can report it was extremely emotional, standing with one's back to the desperate runners while waiting to fire the gun. As the big moment drew closer, I could scarcely think above the screaming. I felt like a referee had drawn the ire of the, of, by penalizing their favorite teams. You see, what would happen in an ultramarathon, as the deadline for the race comes to be, the cut-off gunner would stand with his back to the runners, raise the gun to the sky, and the moment the signal is given, the gun will be shot and it's done. And family, if you and I are in the stands because we're already in the kingdom, and we know there are some that need to finish the race, do you think they need more time? Amen. We are cheering the runners on. Come, run. And we're running next to people, helping them keep the pace. But once the gun goes off, family, the race is over. And when Jesus comes back, the race is over. Do not be in a hurry for Jesus to come back before all the runners are safely in. That is you and my role, to guide the runners in. And when Jesus comes back, the only thing I want to be found is running people over that finishing line. Because I don't know if I could bear it if I'm standing at that finish line looking back and there are a couple of people who have missed it by mere seconds. So we walk in grace because the judge is at the gate. The cut-off gun is going into the air. Time you think is eternal. A thousand years is but a day to God. It's been, it's been mere two days since James wrote that. 
for God. Maybe it's Ian, he comes on the third day. We don't know. I will tell you, as a spiritual believer, I've chased, I, don't, I can't even count how many Mary Chases I've been now. You know? Triple six times three was 1990, whatever. Many times have I been down listening to this person, this person saying this is when Jesus is coming back. Even while I've been in Canada, there's been two important dates that Jesus was coming back. And each time I saw God say, Martin, what are you doing? You're chasing after fluff. That is not know the seasons. Get onto the race course and run with the runners. Run them over that finish line. Because you want all the runners in. I need to trade my grumbling for patience. Yes, the people are dying every day. And Lord, it would just be so much better if you just came and just fixed everything now. But Lord, I understand your timing is perfect. And so I am not in a rush for Jesus to come back before he knows it's ready. What I think is irrelevant because I'm going to walk in patience. May the day of my leading or going be of God's choosing. Amen. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. See the one thing we know about Job is he's known for his steadfastness. It says that he is about being able to bear trials and have fortitude to persevere, abide, endure and to be patient. And when you run a marathon family and being a Christian is likened to running a marathon. But you've got to endure I remember being in the army and you'd have to run the, the 2,4 kilometers. You'd have to run it under that 12-minute period with, with 20 kilograms of kit on you. They were trying to give you endurance. You do route marches of 140 kilometers and you had to do it in four days. They were training you to have endurance. So it is with Christ's people. You and I need endurance. And that's why Job becomes a, a sort of a a brother in Christ who showed us what endurance means. Because in this life, family, you will have trouble. Endure. You see, we need to understand in seeing the Lord, we know that the Lord has a purpose for everything. And you and I need to see God's purpose in ourselves and in the lives of people we serve. Whether it be young men that we, we see have the aptitude for worship. And so we see God's purposes coming to fruition before our very eyes. And you and I need to walk in compassion and be merciful. And I'm not always compassionate and merciful. Ask my wife. Sometimes I'm a bit of a tyrant, you know? And so we so realign continuously the process of sanctification, realignment all the time. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other earth, but let your yes be yes and your no no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Growing up in our household, we also, Chan and I, tried to live this by this with our own family. And uh, often they would want me to say yes to something, and I would say, I'm not going to give you an answer to that now, or I'd just say no. It's easier to change your no from a no to a yes than your yes to a no. Any parent in the room bear with me with me on that one? You said, you said yes, and the Bible says that your yes be yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those laughing, you know exactly what I mean. 
This is about being, keeping our speech simple. It becomes uncomplicated. The Bible story that comes to, ma- to mind is Peter's denial. He's in a place where he's been serving alongside Jesus for three years and all of a sudden everything he thought he knew was swept from underneath him. I would be just as confused as Peter right then. Deny Christ three times and he, and he swore an oath. He was confused. He was mourning. The anxiety level of Peter in this moment I cannot imagine. But Jesus does come back and restore this and say, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. And so there's this denial. There's this making oaths. When we do not understand, we tend to say things and make oaths we know nothing of. So James is saying, don't do that. Keep your life, just know the rhythms. And don't talk yourself into any corner. Don't make oaths you cannot keep. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Because do you want divine support or divine judgment? Don't swear by heaven or by earth. Keep your words simple. No confusion when your words are simple. And you and I walk in our day-to-day walk with God's divine support. I see God's divine judgment when I know I need it. When I know I need sanctification. Lord, I'm in my heart space right now. I don't have compassion on, on a certain person or people. God, change me. I need your judgment right now to, to redeem my heart for that weeding process to happen. It's the journey of sanctification. There's a Greek proverb that says, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they'll never sit in. I'll put two nice Muskoka chairs underneath that tree. You know how long it takes a tree to grow here in Canada. Do you want to leave a maple forest to your grandchildren? Then you better be planting those maple trees today. Otherwise, your grandchildren won't see them. And you know, as a person who's been walking with people that have been fascinated by eschatology, end times, and when Jesus comes back, you know what happens, family, is that people stop living for 20 years from now. We stop sowing the seeds today that our great-grandchildren will inherit tomorrow. We don't go out into the world and bring salvation to people because we say it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming back tomorrow and they lost anyway. It's a defeatist mindset. You've got to repent of that and say, Lord, I will not walk in. Lord, you may come in a thousand years' time. It doesn't matter. But as for me and my house, we will serve God. Today, we will go out in this world and we're going to plant seeds today that will bear fruit that my grandchildren are going to bear the fruit of. Maybe I'm speaking to some young person here today that will have, be instrumental in bringing my grandchildren to know Jesus. Amen. Won't that be interesting in heaven to know that the seeds that I sow today will bear fruit of my grandchildren. You and I need to get into the long game, family, because God is in the long game, not the short game. Plant the seeds for tomorrow's generation. Back to that peeing tree. 
Don Parmenter is now 101 years old. And when he looks at that peeing tree, he says it's the best water in the world. Can you imagine that 50 years at 101 years old, seeing something you did 50 years ago bearing fruit? It's now become an established landmark in an era. You do not know the fruit of the seeds you plant today and what effect they will have in the future. That is one idea I want you to take away from here today. What's one seed you can plant today that will bear fruit in 50 years from now? Go out there and sow fruit with eternity in mind because your God has eternity on his mind and you are part of his plan. There is patience in suffering. When you've endured suffering, like many of you have been through times of suffering, you know that suffering produces patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's absolutely amazing to have tons of it. I, I need lots more of patience in my own life. And I'm sure you do too. But let us sow seeds today that when Jesus comes knocking on the door, that he may find fruit growing on you. Let's close in prayer and invite the worship team back up. It's wonderful to see the fruit of the next generation on the stage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a wonderful, wonderful season of sowing fruits. We thank you for the harvest of this season. We thank you for all the souls and young people whose lives were touched at camp this summer. Father God, we pray for every single seed that was sowing and that, Father God, your rain, your, your spiritual latter rain will fall down on every soul that attended camp this summer. And for every retreat that is being held in this season, Father God, that your rain would pour down on every seed in your children that their hearts may be ripe fields of your spiritual fruit. Father God, help us to go into the roads and the highways and the byways. Father, help us to look at those that are living life, that are running the race of life aimlessly, without pace, without rhythm, that do not know you. Father God, help us to be a, an aid, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, that we would help usher people into your kingdom. Grant us your children patience, Father, with all these people that do not know you. Help us to understand that once upon a time we ourselves were there. And Father, for those that are here this morning that would invite you and say, Jesus, Heavenly Father, I just want to make a covenant with you this morning that you would be my God, that you would be my Savior, that by the blood of Jesus I have been set free from the sin of the world. Father God, I would pray that you would touch every soul sitting here this morning and renew us and give us a new spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.